This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, away we go. Topics worthy of discussion. It's the panel part of the program for Pizzaville. Dial pound 3636. Ernie Eves in here, the former Premier of Ontario. How's Ernie? I'm recovering. <laughs> Who are you? Is there a 12-step program we need to know about? I'm only on step two. All right. Well, uh, we'll get around to the other steps here shortly. Dan Moulton's with us as well, senior consultant at Crestview Strategy. Uh, that's a liberal and a liberal strategist. How's Dan? I'm doing well, John. How about you? Fine, thank you. John Turley, you are risk management consultant specializing in capital markets with extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets. John, how you doing? Very fine, thank you. Oh, muted. Okay. Well, uh, Ernie's still in recovery <laughs> mode. So I'll start with you, Ernie. I mean, based on the election, I'm guessing. Uh, so what do we ascribe the conservatives falling short in an election that many people had uh, posited they had a real shot at winning and should have by rights, given the scandals and yada, yada, yada. Was it uh, on leadership, on policy, on communications, on what? Well, where do you want to start? (laughs) Um, I really thought this was going to be a very close election where the two main parties were going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of 140 seats each. Um, Obviously, the Liberals exceeded that by 17, and obviously the Tories... We're about 19 seats short. I think those seats probably are here in the province of Ontario, the ones that they didn't get that they needed to get to where they could have gotten to. I don't think it was, at least least in the last few weeks, it really wasn't in the cards for them to win a majority government, the Conservatives I'm talking about. They'd have been lucky to have, uh, or fortunate if everything went their way, to have a minority, but then they'd have a problem about who they're going to get to (laughs) play ball with them if they're going to pass anything or form a government. But I really think that this was a, in a way, a kind of a sad election for the for the country. I mean, you have Western alienation in Alberta and Saskatchewan. You have Quebec go doing their own thing with the Bloc. Now the main party there in terms of uh, of seats, number of seats. Um, I think it's a, it, it, it's going to be a real problem. Yeah, and I think he- that I think you know. Everybody, it's easy to blame the leader, as I know all too well. I mean, I don't think the Conservatives ran a very good campaign. Right. Um, I don't think you can blame all of that on sure. You pick your campaign team, and you go ahead and you run your campaign. But if if you're just going to keep on appealing to the 30% of vote that is your base, you're going to have a tough time getting to 40%. Yeah. I mean, and you need 40%, roughly, to form a majority government in this country. So on policy, then, where do they fail to expand and uh, maybe reach out and ensnare uh, more of the vote that went elsewhere? Uh, progressive Well, vote well more first of likely. all, I think a lot of this campaign was very personal between Trudeau and Scheer, and I, th- I find that very unfortunate yeah. on both sides. Um, Canadian people were looking for, and quite frankly deserved more, than they got, in my humble opinion. Um, I listened to the three, or actually all four main party leaders on election night, and I I was astounded. Everyone gave an absolutely ridiculous speech. You would think that Trudeau won a massive majority and he'd actually gain seats. The guy doesn't have a humble bone in his body. I don't think he knows how to spell the word humble. He lost 20 seats. His share of the vote in every single province declined. Didn't miss one. You're 0 for 10. You might want to show a little humility and realize that you don't have a massive majority. You just got a big kick in the behind. 
I think we saw that, some of that from that, him today, though. He, he and then Shear comes on. Yeah, it took him 48 hours to fair, figure that yeah, out. No, it's a fair criticism. Um, Shear comes on and says he's going to defeat the government the next day. I mean, that's the impression <laughs> he leaves. How are you going to do that? I mean, who's going to be your ally in doing that? I mean, it was totally ridiculous. And then Singh comes on and says that he's running the government. <laughs> and that he came from nowhere to 24 seats. No, actually, he came from 39 seats. You know, that guy Mulcair was so terrible. Everybody in your party stabbed him in the back. He got 39 seats, so you must be really crummy because you got 15 less seats than he got. Then you have the block guy comes on saying, well, I'm running the government for the next four years. So tell me where the respect is for each other, for the institutions, for elections, for recognizing that other people may have different points of view and different policies, but you still respect them for who they are. You respect the office, you respect the institution, and you respect each other. Well, that's and the I question. saw none of that. that. No wonder some people want none of the above. Right. I think the most recent polling showed that 71% of Canadians were not happy with any of the leaders, including Elizabeth May, I might add. All right, well, there you go. Uh, Ernie, uh, you feel better now? That's great. Yes, I do. Uh, okay. No, but, you know, I mean, the points, ridiculous. points are well taken, but how does this bitterness and bile subside now? I mean, is it irreconcilable? Look, he went after Doug Ford. Justin Trudeau did. He went after Jason Kenney. I mean, Ford's making conciliatory uh, notes early on, but John Turley, you were, what are we left with? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm not as, as uh, unhappy as uh, as uh, Ernie is at the present time. I'm hopeful because I thought uh, uh, Justin Trudeau's speech today uh, did reflect a much better tone. Uh, the two things he's talking about, interestingly, are affordability and uh, climate change. It said affordability a lot, uh, which I thought was interesting. He's uh, contacted Jason Kenney. Uh, I thought Brian Pallister, uh, uh, his comments recently were also very, very useful uh, in terms of talking about Western alienation. That is, it's a relationship you work on it and you build it. Uh, you know, right now we had 67% of, of voters supporting pipeline parties, which is the Conservatives and the Liberals. So, uh, you know, I'm, I like to think that they're going to get that through. We have 67% of people talking, uh, voting for parties that are talking about affordability. And if you really want to talk about climate change, I would, uh, you know, argue that the Liberals have been very good at virtue signaling, something perhaps Conservatives should uh, think about, and not actually reaching their goals. So maybe that's what Canadians want. They want to talk about these things. They want to uh, look good. But the fact is, is we have to get the economy back on track. And I'll tell you why. You know, if you look at our economic growth uh, since the Liberals came in power, the sector that has grown the most is government, followed by marijuana and a residential multi-unit building. And if that continues on, we're all going to be working for the Ministry of Happiness, smoking dope, and <laughs> living in tiny condos. That's got to change. <laughs> all right. Well, everybody's getting their chance to tee off here, so uh, I'm just an interloper at this yeah. point. Dan Moulton, I mean, uh, are you optimistic going forward, or do you see that, uh, you know, there is much bitterness in the land? Well, I, I would say that regional alienation has always been a, par a problem in this country, and it's always going to be a problem in this country if we don't work hard at it. And I think that it will be incumbent on the Prime Minister and his new government uh, to work to ensure that Alberta and Saskatchewan in particular feel represented in this government and heard by this government. Uh, he said today quite clearly that they will proceed with constructing Trans Mountain. I think that's a good signal. Uh, he's not going to change the price of oil, though, right? I think we have to be real about that. The big problem for Alberta's economy is it's too reliant on a commodity price. And so the government's not going to be able to change that. Yeah, but, but there, there are two commodity prices. There's the American price that's deeply discounted, and there's a global price. Correct. 
And that's part of the problem that the, the Western provinces face. So there may be a time with which the economics make more sense for uh, heavy investment in that province's oil sector, but it's not right now. And the government can only do so much to change that. Uh, I think they had to do more to change that. And I think you're going to see them make efforts to do that. At least I hope so. It won't be politically advantageous, right? I mean, the government's path or the liberals path to majority government is not through Alberta and Saskatchewan. We saw that on Monday night. It is through increasing their seats in Quebec and picking up NDP seats in other parts of the country. So it won't be politically advantageous to them to pick up, uh, to, to invest in Alberta and Saskatchewan and ensure uh, they feel part of this country, but it will be better for Canada. And I, and I hope that is uh, a continued focus this government. All right. You know, Ernie, one question that's dogged me uh, since the outcome of the election, I mean, even going back to the last one, Toronto, the 416, Sea of Red, uh, Fortress Toronto, Fortress GTA, uh, can't really break through. Uh, why is that a problem? What's going on? Is it because, you know, they have shifted, they haven't shifted enough to center left? Well, I think the province, every province is different. And I think the province of Ontario generally wants fiscally fiscal responsibility but they want a government w- with a social conscience and if you don't have a platform that appeals to that especially in 905 i mean 416 is sort of a different kettle of fish i mean what is they, it they, well they're more left wing i think than than 905 are uh and you might win the odd seat in the 416 by having a really good candidate in a particular riding that's possible and the vote split but I thought that they missed a great opportunity to do a lot better in 905, and they didn't seem to be able to break through there. And I think that's directly attributable, attributable to their to their platform. I don't mm-hmm. think it appealed to... Well, I think it's across, see, not just the 905, urban communities across Ontario. I mean, you look at Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, London, uh, there were no pickups for the Conservatives. In fact, the Liberals swept all of those communities. And so it, it does, I think, speak a lot to, you're right, the inadequacies of their platform. And I think what if the Conservatives are going to learn one lesson from one Monday night, it ought to be that you can't run in an election in this country without a viable climate program because voters expect leadership on that issue. So, and I'm going to disagree. And I'm going to say, uh, and I'm going to disagree with Ernie as well. The one lesson you have to take from this lesson, from this election, is that you have to be likable. So you think about the late Rob Ford, all right? Look at how he dominated Toronto politics. It was unbelievable what he was able to do. He was a retail politician par excellence, despite all his you know, tremendous flaws that we all know about. Doug Ford leveraged a bit of that. Obviously, when he got into government, he lost touch with that. He's trying to get it back. But I think our main problem is, is that conservatives have largely brought forward people who are not the type of folks you would want to sit down with and have a beer or a glass of wine, or whatever. And so, you know, they, they, they don't have that sense of bringing someone forward who's authentic. The one thing I'll give Trudeau credit for, and you saw it when he was at, at the subway stations in Montreal, he's a likable guy, right? Mm. He's someone that you would, you know, you would, you know, shake his hand, you'd probably have a, a couple laughs with. Cretchen was the same way. Paul Martin, not so much. How did he last? Not too long. You've got to be likable. Because people vote often on emotion and whether they like you. The policy piece often comes second. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.